Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. We talk about a client kickoff meeting where you see internal politics. We talk about the GOAT agency, 120 people in four years with 60 million pounds worth of revenue. And we talk about the awards and I get a little bit sassy and Harry points out that I'm not a professional. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 312 of the Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge and I am with my co-host, Adam Callum. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you're new to the show, this is where me and Harry jump on the mics and share what it's like to build a business. We're 12 people strong, six years in the making, and we make mistakes every single day. And we're trying to help you avoid making the same mistakes that we do. Harry, what are we doing on today's show, mate? Apart from yawning off mic, uh, we are just covering off a few things that happened in the previous week. The first thing I'd like to jump into is a kickoff meeting that we had with a new brand. Yep. Um, Just thought it was really interesting (laughs) because you preface the whole thing with like, look, we're coming in, we're we're potentially going to be ruffling a few feathers. People might not be happy with us and the fact that we're trying to bring more customers in because they're very set in their ways. Um, but when we were actually in the meeting, it it seemed to raise more issues internally between themselves. So there was a room with, there was you, me, and Kat, and then there was, what, nine other people? Uh, no, I think there was 10. There was meant to be 11, there ended up being 10. So there was 10 other people. But just to, just to sort of clarify that, is normally when we do a kickoff meeting, there is probably three points of mm-hmm. contact on the other side of the team. And I, I did sit down with the team and we built a presentation. And normally we build a presentation and I show it to you and we go into the meeting because we, we know what we're doing now. Yep. But we really went through every slide and every talking point because what we're trying to do, the company's got a new managing director. He's been brought in to quite aggressively shape the company and drive it mm-hmm. forward. And we're part of that process. So this is the first time I think we've gone into client meeting with potentially knowing that there's half the room that, mm. that are going to smile, but they don't want us to be in that room. Yeah. Like we're either jeopardizing their role or we're going to highlight areas where that company has fallen short. So for me going in, the way that we structured that deck was all around making sure that we do 20% of the talking mm. and we open it up to everyone around the table with prompting questions on the slides. So we broke down the presentation to three core areas, which was quick introduction to who we are, why we exist as a business, and what we're trying to do with this brand. And then the middle part of it, so three hour meeting. So the middle part of it was basically designed to be two hours long, which was, here's the things that are, we're aware of right now on the, on the piece of work that we're doing. And here's the questions that we have for you guys. Because we know around this table, there are, I don't know, 50 years shared experience within mm-hmm. this company. We're not going to come in and try and redefine things from day one. You guys do amazing work. Can you help us understand what's working and what's not so we can actually work in partnership with you to drive value compared to hitting roadblocks mm-hmm. in months three and six and nine? And then you guys, because you know the problems, you could help us avoid them. And we can all win together was the sort of attitude that we yeah. tried to deliver in the deck. It's the first time I've done that as well um, because my, my fear was going in and having everyone say the right things. We do all the talking uh, and then we go away and we've just got internal mm. blocks within the company that are trying to stop us from doing our best work. Yeah. I think uh, I think the, the, the way you style the presentation was 
potentially disarming in that sense because it was it wasn't like here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to smash our targets. It was a case of this is what we want to do. Let's make that clear amongst the team. Do you have any objections? Let's talk about it. So it was a very open discussion. But what it actually <laughs> what it led to was there's obviously been there's people in that room that have been trying to make whether it's changes to the process because uh, basically we're trying to increase numbers in an installer network. Yep. So that means uh, more people fit in their products. But <laughs> so we so we wanted to just increase it. But internally, they they obviously have processes when they onboard new people and things like that. It seems like people have been trying to champion a new process, changing everything, but it's they've been bashing their head against the wall for like six months, maybe 12, longer. Yep. Um, and so rather than it being us like, you can't do that because you're going to mess everything up, people are like, finally, someone's trying to, trying to do something and this is bringing it up in the conversation and now we can like just point out that it's not the issue is it's not going to work but it's not you expert trades that's going to cause the problem it's our internal weaknesses that are going to hold us all back but but putting them in a position where they were they were going to verbalize that out loud was Mm. so important yeah um and i guess one one top tip i guess for anyone listening to this if you are going in um, and there's people that do this as a job like change management within the company is a full-time role Mm. for some organizations um the thing that I think makes this successful or gives this the most chance of success is having the MD in the room and open up with, guys, you guys are great. We need to increase this install network because it makes a, it makes a direct impact to the bottom line of the business. As we show this thing works, there'll be more resources available. So everyone get on the bus. Mm. So I had a good couple of phone calls ahead of that meeting with the MD and it was around like, here's my concerns. Here's the deck that I'm using and here's what I've tried to achieve with it. His feedback was that's absolutely perfect because everyone's going to give their opinions and voice. And a lot of it was directed to us, but a lot of mm. it was directed internally yeah. and then sort of to him as well, which is like, oh, of course we've wanted to do that. We've just had no resource to which he could then say, well, that's why we're here today. Mm. Like we're here today to prove it works because right now there's no reporting, there's no diligence, there's no process. And right now for every person we add into the network, we basically need to hire someone new because we handhold them all the mm. way through. Um, uh, and there's loads of stuff about their network that we're going to improve uh, but it was sort of a top down getting him on board and me- forcing that through mm. was like him being like this is what we're doing and then me going in and saying but we want to work with you mm. so we kind of play good cop bad cop in terms of the style uh, in terms of like he's like no here's what we're doing and I'm like cool guys but I completely empathize with the fact that this is a big change for the company there's smart people in the room. Let's use everyone's smarts in the room and let's tackle this big problem together. Because very, I was very open. I said, because I need to hit my KPIs because I want to renew with you every year. Like We're not coming here for 12 months. I'm coming here to do five years mm. with you guys. I just want to win in year one because it makes my renewal much easier in year two. Mm. And ha- and we used we used uh, comedy. We used a lot of yeah. rapport building in the room. And that's, that's well, sort of the skill set. I put some of that down to the fact that everyone had just eaten as well. I tell you, keeping blood sugar levels high uh, is a is a key component to keeping moods elevated. So I think that was uh, agree, man. Like I've <laughs> energies were really high, like off the bat, um, and and a really credit to to you and Kat for coming in um, because that was probably one of the more challenging meetings to get involved in. Like from a because mm. normally it would be like myself or Edie going in and doing the business, coming in, bringing it internally, but we kind of get more people from RA players in the team speaking to the brands directly now. Um, so 
that was probably one of the most interesting meetings to come in and the level of preparation we did ahead of that meeting i think that's the reason it mm. went so successful uh, and when we're speaking about really good size like five figure deals my top tip for people is even if you're like me and i consider myself a very good salesperson that is literally the tip of the iceberg like getting in is easy for me supporting it driving the business to achieve the kpis while taking everyone along that journey that's where it's really hard and that's where i'm really learning that you need to surround yourself with a players to to do that together it was um it was interesting obviously just to see those internal struggles that they've clearly been having for a while the what there was one person in the room that was very um very quiet the whole time and then when they finally got asked what's your opinion and what are your thoughts two seats to my right yeah, yeah. and she she what well, I can't remember what her role exactly was, but it was obviously very involved with the installer network. Yeah, specifically. basically customer success manager is how I'd put yeah. it. Now, if if she existed in mm. our business, it would be that role. Yeah. So 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 and she she very clearly like not not negatively, but it was just fascinating to think that she, she basically raised the point that we can't bring in loads of new installers because it will cause a breakdown in communications. We offer a 24-hour reply service or, or on the warranties and things like that. That will break down as soon as we're inundated with new members. Totally get all that. But I find it fascinating to see that when someone's like, we're going to have a problem if we have more people selling our products. But that's why the MD literally said instantly, was like, well, that's a good problem to have. Mm. And that's the different types of personas you have within companies because she's clearly fantastic at what she, mm. she knows I've got to deliver 24 hour turnaround on these warranties. I can't hit my KPIs if we start to grow this network. I'm comfortable right now. I've got a process. Mm. I'm happy. I know, I know everything. I know every one and I can get my job done because what's going to happen is as you bring new people in, it's going to break her process. But that is why it's super important whenever you're speaking to a brand, whoever you're speaking to, it's to understand that person's KPIs so you can help them work with mm. their line manager, their boss, their MD, their CEO to explain. The conversation should have gone, just so you know, Mr. MD, if you do this, it's going to break all my processes. So do not expect me to hit my KPIs while we're in this learning curve. I understand we're going to add money to the bottom line. There's going to be some give and take. That's the that's mm. how you help. That's the level of conversation they need to be having internally. And they probably had it. They probably had it after we left. Um, and I guess just to wrap up this little segment, I guess, mm -hmm. is uh, off the back of the meeting, they went and chat with the MD in terms of how did you think that went? His words were, positioned it perfectly. Hopefully you can see what we're dealing with internally. Mm. Not in a negative frame, but there's these are the, this is what's going to happen the next three months. And he says, just ensure that the relevant stakeholders that you speak to, if they are not replying in time and acting like a bottleneck, mm -hmm. go above them, regardless of who that, so if it's if it's person A, oh, go okay. above them. If, you, if that person slows you down, come to me. And okay. when you've got that level of support top down, that just makes me think it's all down to us mm -hmm. now. If we do, if this doesn't work, it's our fault because he's basically given us access to say he will drive it forward as much as we need him to. So super helpful. That's cool. Uh, and then, Something else very interesting that we got up to last week. We actually went for a little road trip down to London. It's cool, wasn't it? It was very cool. I could get used to that. Uh, so we, we've got a new show coming soon, Startup Stories. Uh, and we interviewed Harry from The Goat Agency. Mm -hmm. Do you want to explain, one, what Startup Stories is for people that don't know yet? Yep. And two, 
who Harry is and what the hell the Goat Agency is. Yeah, cool. Um, we'll, we'll keep this segment a little bit short because we cover a lot of it off in, in the interview. Yeah. Um, but Startup Stories is... One thing that we're trying to do, uh, and I know we've, we're 300 episodes in, but continually like define what this podcast is for, like the Startup Diaries. Uh, and... I just added an S at the end of that. Uh, you don't need to edit that, but the, start, the Startup Diary. Um, just and, a hard cut. Startup Diary. <laughs> and we, we've done interviews in the past uh, on the show, which were very, they're kind of for me, to be honest. And so it's like, I want to speak to these people and get them the mics and learn from them. Uh, and then it's sort of like, well, when they went live, people enjoyed them, but it didn't feel like a fit for the show. And we need to continually get more honest and have harder conversations on this podcast to help more listeners. But that's more of an internal thing. So uh, we wanted to do a new show, but in terms of bandwidth and booking and things like that, we didn't, we couldn't do it. We just got, we just didn't have the bandwidth for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a member of the community, uh, Jeremy Parsons, sort of, we had a good conversation with him. He sort of stepped up and was like, listen, like, uh, if you want to do the show and you're actually going to commit to it, are we sort of like fucked about for a couple of weeks? Yeah. Uh, and fair play to him, he's like, guys, are you in or are you out? Like, fucking, where mm. are you? And I love him for that. Like, it's that's that's yeah. what we need. Um, so, Startup Stories is where we go out and we interview people that I don't want to say they're successful because they might not. They might have had massive failures, but mm-hmm. there's big learnings. They're people that have been around the block, and it's me going to them. Uh, so Harry sits in, he produces and makes sure that audio and, and all that good stuff takes place. But it's me interviewing them as a selfish CEO, to be honest, mm-hmm. of like, I've got an agenda of what I want to learn from them. And I bring them on the mics to share their experiences. Whereas the Startup Diary is like, actually, here's the things that we're trying. And this is what's winning and failing for my small business. Startup Stories is sharing what they've learned in their career path. Um, so it's one-on-one interviews with interesting people. Um, so that's the show. Uh, and then... The Goat Agency. Um, Goat Agency is a social media marketing influencer agency based out in London, founded by three guys who, between them, spent £18 million on marketing on a company that had no revenue to do user acquisition. So they spent a lot of money on a company called Sports Lobster. Um, and the two guys that were there, predominantly Aaron and Hugo, left to start the Goat Agency because they realized influencer marketing is the future. I don't enjoy working for a company that's got VC money and I'm beholden to them. Mm. So we're going to go and start our own agency. Uh, so I guess it's something like 125 people strong, 55 million turnover, four years old, average age of 24, um, and no VC funding, completely bootstrapped. So I just wanted to go and learn, to be honest. Like mm. we, we spoke on the mics. We're trying to build more of an agency model or a, not an agency model, but an understanding of how an agency works. So we kind of know like how and far you had a good lesson from Harry. <laughs> a really yeah. good lesson, man. It was, it was good. Um, wing so, it, I think, was the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wing it to a 60 million turnover company, uh, but just doing doing it the way that they want to mm. with no, yeah. um, no guidelines in terms of how an agency operates. His words were like, I have no fucking clue how agencies mm. work. When I speak to other agency owners, I'm confused. It's like, why would you do it that mm. way? Which I had a huge amount of respect for. I like it. So that show is going to drop, I don't know, in the next few weeks. We're just getting some of the bank now. Um, but I guess from your side of it is what I'm interested in is, because you could listen to the whole show. Yeah. And we had like a time, time limit. Like, let's try and sit within this. And you, after that, you're like, I knew you were way over. I was just really enjoying it. So yeah, we, it we hit the time limit. I was like, just keep it rolling because this is gold. Yeah, it was just super, super interesting. Um to think how big the company is, um, <laughs> but how kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, just they, they, the way that the way the agency is run, 
like like I said, they don't know how an agency is supposed to run, but they're just making it work for them. And I think that that was quite a good takeaway. Um, and then as well, what was the other thing that stood out? Uh, the culture. Like um, obviously they're in a cool space, but he talk he talked about the working space that they were in and how every time they scaled the office up, they were always like sort of twenty percent over capacity in the room at the time and then everyone that was there would really appreciate the level up in the workspace so they i can't remember what i think they have, they've had like three different offices have they yeah so the one still paying for one of them are they flipping it so they so the one before the big one they've got in london now which was bloomberg's old office Bloomberg, which is top an floor, bloomberg's space. old office yeah uh they they were saying how they hired new people and made them go and work in the old office for like a week or two weeks first. So then when they had the big move, they'd really appreciate the space because their space now is amazing. It's nice open plan, similar to like Gymshark, just open like large flat desks and just cool environment. Um, but yeah, that like that really stuck out to me. So they're obviously breeding this kind of just everyone knuckling, work hard, be an A player as well. Yeah. Um, was an interesting Being one. Being a player to stay on the team and I think he yeah. really talks about culture and he, he sort of, uh, he refers to it as like, we, we consider ourselves as like the Harvard mm. of social media marketing. Um, so I think 100% guys, if just go and listen to that show, mm. it was so fun uh, for me uh, and I think one thing that I want to do, do better at is like the interview, how I interview people mm. uh, to get the most out of them because uh, I think with him it was just easy just because like he knew his stuff he could talk he, he knew what he wanted to get across uh, and I think in some of the other interviews you've done so far and maybe it's because it's in person because that was in person we went down and met yeah. him I feel like we had such a great rapport off the bat uh, one thing that I'm trying to work out on Startup Stories is how do I try and get that mm. level of rapport or is it a bit more transactional like I just want to get him in the mic to learn some stuff yeah I, th- I think just the format of like uh, video calls is a little bit more clinical yeah so because that's what Harry said as well it's like when you're face to face obviously you you have the chat before and after and you kind of you get to calm down and like you see the space and you, it's just a more relaxing experience overall but when it's like video call at half past check in five minutes before mic's on everything good record it's yeah yeah maybe we need an extra 10 minutes on the video call to just ask them about their day yeah exactly sort of just, yeah just to but yeah get some rapport going so that was that guys so look out for the startup stories what we're going to do is we're, we're probably going to drop like i don't know the first four or six episodes onto this feed uh, we don't know the exact number yet um and it won't be an additional it will sort of probably replace like a monday show or a friday mm-hmm. show or something like that uh and then move that across to its own feed because we don't want to keep bombarding people so yeah. if you're interested in learning what we do in expert trades and the mistakes we're making stick on this feed hopefully you guys stick around and if you're not subscribed yet hit that stop what you're doing hit pause you got this far in why wouldn't you uh go and hit the subscribe button on this show uh, and then look out for that when that goes live cool um, i've got a note here you were at the H and V awards. This is gonna be a super short. Not H M V awards. No, that'd be way more fun. <laughs> uh, tell me what the awards are, and yep. for anyone else that doesn't know, uh, why you were there, and apart from it being a good knees up, what's the benefit of going to awards? Because I know some of these are quite. They can be either political or just for the sake of it. Yep. 
Um, so HMV Awards is a heating and ventilation awards. I mean, honestly, you don't get more a pinnacle of my Rock career. and roll. Uh, it was basically a room of 900 uh, elderly white men. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I have to take a drink then uh, because that's what the industry looks like. We've got uh, we've got a, a apparent focus on diversity, but we didn't see it on the evening. Um, I would love to see more approach that to the fact that there was a diversity award and a middle-aged white man <laughs> collected the award. I'm like, what the um, but anyway, uh, so the awards. Um, so I, I like speak very cynically about awards. However, when I was there on the night, um, don't get me wrong, it felt very political, and there's there's a direct correlation in my opinion. And it was voiced around the table, but it was voiced around the table of people that hadn't won an award. So I think it's just mm. cynical. So you can take this with a pinch yeah. of salt. But the people that had the most tables there won the awards. Simple as that. If you literally draw it on a graph, and that, so they and the implication being they pay for tables for yeah. their staff to attend it's ridiculous the amount. yeah tables are a ridiculous amount of money so we're talking probably 250 pound a ticket uh, mm. tables of 10 so wow. yeah silly money uh, amazing venue grows in London don't get me wrong amazing space the thing that I took away from it most is the ability to meet a lot of people in the industry mm. in one point of time I didn't pay for my ticket so it's amazing uh, we got invited by one of our brands we were up for collaboration of the year award and if I could pick any award to win that's the one and I never really cared about it, to be honest. And then when I when I was down there, I felt myself caring way more mm. than I expected, largely because as we we've we've verbalised it in terms of how we think of ourselves, like an agency, more transparently, and explaining how we act, how we are an agency mm -hmm. to the industry. Th that award would mean something to the next brand that I go and pitch in the yeah. heating and ventilation sector. So, yes, it's political, my opinion, but there is some. Annoy I don't want to say it because it's on record, but I'm going to. There is some value to be able to put that badge. It's valuable because others value it. Yeah. Well, that's the same as that's the, that's a premise with anything, though. Um, but what I mean is, like, you may not believe in it, but you know that the value of having that on the slide of a presentation is going to be like, oh wow, yeah, oh, HMV awards, yeah, 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 exactly that. You can't avoid mm. the, the state of affairs, which is. Uh, the room is full of elderly white men and they're the people that are signing the checks in these brands yeah. and they are the people that are probably at the awards night and when they see oh you're at the awards with Baxi and you want collaboration mm. oh you're in the club mate mm. as he bangs his chest like, try, like you're you're one of us like you're at the HMV you're a winner we want to associate that with you that's mm. weirdly what it Just does playing the game yeah which is annoying for me because I like to fucking win on merit uh, compared to politics but hey next year who knows what will happen expert trades awards expert tra we'll make our own <laughs> awards or we'll go, we'll go and crowdfund money to go and buy five tables and win uh, but yeah so uh, there we didn't win gutted uh, and I didn't think I'd be gutted but we didn't win and uh, it hit me harder than expected the, the key thing for me though uh, is I managed to speak and spend a good six seven hours with our partner brand and really get into the weeds of it and speak to the points of contact within that company that are signing the checks off, but I don't deal with. So I'm now within the marketing departments and people like mm. that. Uh, it was great for me to really share what we're doing and how we're working as a company and get that top-down buy-in again. Because when it comes up for renewal and that check hits his desk, um, or that PO request hits yeah. his desk, he's going to have to sign it off. And he's going to be like, I spent five hours with Adam at the HMV. He knows his shit. That company's going somewhere. Sign it off that's that's yeah. a real good value for me before we wrap up like do you see was there any benefit to the other attendees on the night like did you rub shoulders and get some contacts because i guess if 
even if you could attend events, the assumption being there's going to be people there that you don't normally get access to. So as an opportunity to kind of meet new people, shake hands, business cards, whatever. Is a reward shows best suited for that? Really? 100%. So if you think about when you go into a trade show, uh, for us, we, we are dealing with the wrong person for us at a trade show. Mm. Uh, we tend to be dealing with like area sales managers or air quotes reps, uh, and they don't have much influence on the marketing. Very yeah. solid, different, different areas of the business. At that awards night, everyone that is a decision maker for all the brands that we would want to do business with in the heating and ventilation sector yep. are there. And I should literally be shot for not doing the level of due diligence ahead of time. What I should have done, H, is here's all the attendees, <laughs> here's the contacts, here's the brands that I want to work with. Search them on LinkedIn, remember the face, make a little book uh, or a, on my phone, make a little presentation of name, company, have I gone to meet them and spent two hours walking the room, finding people, mm. shaking hands and getting cards. That is what a professional would have done. <laughs> I Amateur. was with our brand going deep at the bar, uh, building relationships that way. Uh, and I guess top tip for people is have the balance of the two uh, because that's a once in a year opportunity uh, and I fucked it. So, uh, and it's a lesson for me. So next year, because we'll have a BDM. But our existing client loves, loves us. Again. Yeah, yeah. But we get, we're hiring potentially mm. a new BDM and I'll task them with that role. I'll be like, tell me everyone that's there and tell me everyone you need me to speak to. Mm. Cool. I made up an excuse I didn't have time to do it this time, but that's what I should have done because it's an amazing opportunity and I didn't, so I should have. So thanks for reminding me. Cool. We shall leave it there, Adam, unless you've got anything else. If you've got to this point in the podcast, guys, and you're new here, uh, this is what it's always like. Um, we are trying to share what it's really like building this business. So hit subscribe uh, and then join our Facebook group. So head over to Facebook and search for Startup Diary Club. Uh, we've got like 180 people in that community right now, all amazing people helping each other. If you want to go in, add some value and support that community uh, and they will help you, I promise you. Search search on Facebook for Startup Diary Club and go and join. Uh, but apart from that, mate, there's nothing else I want to say. Cool. If you do have any questions, guys, you can always email us at the new email address, which is startupdiary at nbs.fm. That email again is <laughs> startupdiary at nbs.fm. NBS is our new network. We'll launch some new shows soon. Look out for them. Guys, this is Friday for listening to When This Goes Live. Have a fantastic weekend, and we will see you on the flip side. We will see you on Monday. Ooh.